I will tell you what, this is going to be the third time that I record this same podcast. And I hope it records. Um, <laughs> third time today. Uh, it recorded each time. That's not the problem. The problem is uh, I'm dealing with something that's more uh, detailed and complex than I usually do. So today, what I wanted to talk about uh, was the Beatitudes. The other day, uh, I guess it was Monday morning? No, Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, I woke up at 5 o'clock after only having gone to sleep around 1.30 maybe, or 1, 1.30. Uh, so I didn't sleep much, but I woke up and I just felt the need to be in the Beatitudes. And it's kind of strange because I really haven't been in the Bible much lately. I'm always kind of around the Word, and I, you know, I do these podcasts almost weekly. Uh, so I'm always thinking about things theological, but I don't, I don't, recently, I just haven't felt the need to be in uh, the Bible itself. But I decided to, to look at the Beatitudes. And one of the reasons is I felt a little bit off kilter, a little bit off balance lately. And I'm looking to, to find a way to, to center uh, my life a little better. And, and what better way to do that than to, than, than to get back to the basics and the foundation of our faith. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so uh, back to the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, along with the rest of the um, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, is a uh, collection, probably, of Jesus' sermons in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. And it's just incredibly dense with the teachings of Jesus. And, and it begins with the Beatitudes. And there are nine, what we've come to call, Beatitudes. Uh, and basically, they kind of read similar to Proverbs, right? They, they seem to be um, just a list of un, possibly unrelated, uh, simple uh, morals, I suppose. But what makes these so extraordinary is that I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I, I think, I haven't quite discovered it yet, and so this is what I'm going to be talking about today, but I think there is a thread through them. I think there is a, there's a theme there. I think there's actually a progression from the fir first beatitude to the last, uh, and I kind of wanted to talk about that today. Now, where I went wrong this morning was that I was just kind of out of it. I was, uh, as I was trying to um, recall these nine Beatitudes, and I do not have them memorized. Uh, I have a, a general knowledge of them. Uh, as I was trying to recall them, I was also realizing that I had forgotten things that I was supposed to do this morning, and uh, just a lot of life started getting in the way, uh, and I got distracted, and then I couldn't remember uh, one or two of the Beatitudes at all. and I. I botched them up a little bit, and I really want to get them right. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to put my computer next to me, and that morning I actually jotted down uh, the Beatitudes uh, in the notes, and so I'm going to have them with me so that when I stop I can kind of glance at them and, and take a look. Um, <clears throat> now I'm going to use probably more or less the traditional language, but I may insert 
uh, here and there some things, some words that I think are possibly better translations uh, than the ones that were used, and mostly that's because of the modern connotation of those words. Um, and, and I think sometimes, at least in modern English, there might be better words to use. The problem is I can't really find uh, a better word for blessed. I guess I should say I could say blessed, right? Be blessed. We use the word bless a lot these days, uh, and uh, I know other translations say happy, right? Happy, happy are the poor in spirit, or something like this. Uh, and some of these words really don't mean much in today's English, like that word I just that phrase I just said, poor in spirit. You know what does that mean? And I did, uh, as I was studying these uh, Beatitudes the other morning, I was also uh, looking online at a few commentaries here and there, uh, and this one was one of the ones that I really thought I needed to get a handle on how other people looked at it. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, verse 3, and verse 3 is, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh if poor in spirit means those who realize their own shortcomings, then this is a big encouragement to all those who are ashamed of their inability to overcome sin or personal sin. Uh, I'm, I'm reading what I wrote the other day. The kingdom of God, the very thing Jesus preached, belongs to those who are honest with themselves. It is a kind of death to be brought down to earth and to come face to face uh, with the actual person you are. Or maybe I said, is it a kind of death? Yeah, I wrote a question. So I suppose humility, um, which is, you know, I, I guess you could say humility is is what comes out of uh, knowing who you are, knowing what you are, honestly. Um, I think most of us, before we have humility, we begin with a version of us that's actually better than who we are, in a sense. And I don't mean better as far as approved of by God or not. I mean by our own um, estimation, right? That, that we have an image of, of ourselves sometimes that uh, is probably um, a, little, a little rosier than the, the actual person that we are, right? Um, and part of that's because of what I've talked about before, the idea of perspective and and the fact that we are intimately aware of the reasons that we do things and we tend to give ourselves a pass while being uh, extremely hard on other people um, because, you know, their slip isn't showing, so to speak. Uh, they, we can't see why they are motivated, you know, what has motivated them to be a certain way, but we know why we are. And so we give ourselves a pass and we're hard on other people. And I think that's, I don't think there's really any other way to be in the world, at least at first. I think that's a natural thing uh, because we cannot get in the minds of other people. Uh, you know, only we know our own mind and only God knows the minds of others. Um, and so, poor in spirit, uh, one commentator did say that he thinks that's, you know, basically somebody who is not confident in their own ability to uh, to be good or to do good, right? Um, that, that they understand uh, 
their own shortcomings and, and the danger they are in at all times to doing um, the danger they are in to to do bad to, to do things that are not kind not loving okay I'm going to move on from this and well basically the, the, the end of that the, the blessing part is that they are blessed with the kingdom of heaven in other words the kingdom of heaven which I have talked about before is for this world and in this world uh, it's not of this world it's of heaven but it's in this world and for this world um, the kingdom of heaven at least in part belongs to people who are honest about themselves right uh, who who have confessed their sins who uh, are not ashamed uh, and don't try to hide their own weaknesses and shortcomings. So the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Verse 4 is, uh, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now mourning has to do with death and loss. Uh, If you are mourning, it means you have lost someone that is important to you or close to you, at least somebody in your family. Uh, And unfortunately, my family, the last... Uh, let's call it seven, seven years has been intimately, uh, intimately acquainted with grief and loss. And uh, we've been in mourning uh, for several family members uh, that have passed in that time. Uh, I have a niece, a brother-in-law, and what I say, niece, brother, niece and two brother-in-laws, actually, uh, one on each side. Of the, one is my wife's brother and one is my uh, sister's husband. They're both brother-in-laws, I suppose, uh, who have passed away in that time. And gosh, there's got to be a few other people. I'm pretty sure there are. But all of these people died much, much younger than they should have. Much younger. Um... And yeah, it's been it's been pretty rough. Man, I got an old person up here that is just blocking traffic. Um. So blessed are they who mourn, or blessed are they who mourn, and why are they blessed? Because they will be comforted. They will find the comfort that they need. Um. Okay. So, I wrote, perhaps, the most comforting scripture in the whole Bible, this brings hope to those of us who have suffered great loss or death. Our mourning will end in comfort. Please, Lord, make it so. Yeah. Now, verse 5 is perhaps the most famous of all these verses. Blessed are the meek. I prefer the word humble. Uh, Meek in in today's verbiage has such a weak and wimpy and almost effeminate um, uh, connotation to it that I think humble is better, right? And and when I think of humble, I think there are two ways to think of it. When we talked about the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is a kind of humility. But I think this humility probably has to do with um, 
status uh, uh, status in society uh, rank you know rank societal rank um, class right those who are of the lower classes or lower birth uh, we don't really think of those terms as much anymore but I think we still understand uh, what that would mean um, people who are not born uh, in wealth or to wealth or to successful parents even or uh, people who are who are born in poverty into poverty or born into shame I think would be another one so blessed are the humble uh, for they shall inherit the earth and here inherit is another word that has to do with death you don't inherit until somebody dies right uh, and so um, and also a humble person, a, a poor person, a person who has no status in the world, uh, most of them probably don't even have an inheritance. There's nothing to inherit when you have parents uh, who are in, in poverty, right? Poor parents. Uh, but he says, you know, you're blessed. Even though you're humble, you're, you're of humble means, you come from a humble family, you have a humble life, be blessed because you will inherit this earth. The earth will be yours. Uh, and again, like I said, that's, that is more language. It kind of has to do on one level or another with, with death. Okay. Um, we're going to try to track that, that one theme and see how that might progress. The theme of death uh, in, well, all, actually all of them, if you, if you think of, uh, poor in spirit, uh, you know, the moment that you realize that you are poor in spirit, that's a kind of death too, because as I said before, the person who you thought you might be uh, kind of has to die before you feel like, realize and you find who you actually are. I combined the word find and realize into a word felize, uh, but it sounds like uh, something about cats, so we'll stay away from that. Uh, now after this one, Oh, inheritance, sorry. Yeah, so inheritance is claimed after death. Uh, so does this mean that the meek shall survive? The meek or the humble will survive. That they will, will be the ones uh, who survive. Their humility uh, could possibly give them the wherewithal to survive what, what the proud will not. Is that possible? Um, yeah, I... I think, I think uh, from my standpoint, humility is absolutely a uh, um, positive, positive attitude, a positive way to be in the world, a positive characteristic to have. Um, uh, the <coughs> excuse me, the humble will not die of violence, uh, but because of their humbleness or humility. They will still be around uh, after all of the violent lords of the earth have have vanquished each other. Uh, so the humble, one of the things that makes a person humble is that they don't judge other people because they know their own weaknesses. They know who they are, right? They have no illusions uh, about uh, their own identity. And therefore, they're less less judgmental on others, right? Uh, and the humble are not prone to violence. It's not something that 
a, a humble person really engages in naturally. Doesn't mean that there haven't been humble people on the battlefield. Uh, I think I think you can have a um, very strong sense of purpose, perhaps, and still be. I think you'd be delusional, but I think you could still probably be humble and violent. I think it's probably possible. Um, uh, I don't think it's a good way to be in the world, but I, I guess it's possible. I don't know. Uh, but it seems to me to be able to kill somebody, to to um, to so um, is it vilify, to so vilify someone that they become that their life becomes forfeit in your eyes. It seems like to me you have to raise the value of yourself in order to do that to another, right? You you have to think of yourself as valuable. Uh, in order to think of another's life as forfeit, uh, and and to me, um, I think the humble, the humble don't easily get to that point. Let's just say it that way. Um, all right. So now we go to verse six, which is "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." This is a great one, and this is another one that, that I want to change the word a little bit. I want to ch change the word righteousness to justice, and and this is a, a trend uh, that I've seen uh, in some theological works that the word righteousness is sort of a made-up word that really can be simplified into the word justice. And when I say the word justice, I don't mean how, how humans think of justice, which is uh, punishment for crime, right? That seems to be uh, the uh, working definition that a lot of people apply uh, to justice. But I think I think justice is better understood uh, from God's standpoint as reconciliation, as reconciling the perpetrator of a crime back into the community, right? Fixing that relationship. Justice is reconciliation from God's standpoint. Uh, now, one thing I did notice when I read this, and this was one of the um, lightning bolts, I guess, kind of an aha moment that I had, was that you don't hunger and thirst for something that you don't have. Right? So, if you are lacking justice in your life, right, uh, whether you are not being a just person, or you you are a victim of some kind of oppression, right? Justice has not been uh, given to you. Um, however, that you applied that, you you hunger and thirst for it because you don't have it. And I think we can look around the world today, and we know that justice, even even this many years uh, since Christ, justice is still hard to come by. It's not something that um, comes naturally to us. And so blessed are they who hunger and thirst for justice because they will be satisfied. They will be filled with justice, right? Uh, and I think, I think Jesus is alluding here to the fact that he has come to as a, 
as N.T. Wright likes to say, to put things to rights, to right all the wrongs in the world. Interestingly enough, a little sidebar is that this is one of the uh, uh, one of the points that uh, Roman propaganda uh, would uh, would state, right? That when a new Caesar uh, came into power, that's one of the things he always promised to do: is to fix everything that's broken, uh, to put all the bad people in prison, uh, to win all the battles that have been lost, uh, to basically right all the wrongs in the world. <coughs> uh, these are things that, that Caesar's promised, and they proclaimed this throughout the empire. And so Jesus, being a citizen, not a citizen of Rome, but at least, at least a citizen in the empire, uh, he would have been aware of, of this happening uh, at different times, uh, because Judea was a part of the Roman Empire. Uh, yeah, so, uh, that was just a little sidebar, you know, um, but, you know, you hunger and thirst for what is not readily available. You know, if, if you don't have food and water, that's, that's what you hunger and thirst for. You, you need it. Um, what is the verse that says, let justice roll down like, like waters? Is that, is that how it is? I want to say that it was quoted. It's been quoted many times uh, in uh, relation to civil rights, which is exactly where it belongs, right? Uh, the civil rights movement was all about the, the withholding of justice uh, from certain members of society, right? That justice was not, was not afforded uh, to different people. Um, yeah, so that's squarely where that verse belongs, you know. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, so when you find people who are oppressed uh, in in different parts of the world, and they're everywhere, I'll just say that, uh, small and big ways, right? You can be oppressed in your own in a, in a relationship. You want justice, right? You hunger and thirst for it. You want it as bad as you want food and water. And, and let's add air to that, right? It's something, it's something that is needed in the world, and you sense it when it's not there. Uh, we have a, a radar for injustice. Now, related to that is verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You know, mercy is is justice, and justice is mercy. I, I I don't remember who coined this phrase, but I've I've repeated it many times. Uh, justice is merciful, and mercy is just. They really are one and the same thing. And so, when you are the person who has been wronged, but you choose to forgive, you are showing mercy. You are merciful. And so we're seeing this from both sides, right? We're seeing this from both sides. Oh, actually, it's from the same side. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for justice, right? So I guess on one hand, you can hunger when you have been wronged. You can hunger for justice. You want uh, the wrong person to be punished, right? And that's 
I think Jesus is saying that that, that that is one side of the coin and and the wrong people should be caught in doing wrong. They should be corrected. But once they are corrected, the merciful forgives. Right? So if you are wronged and you long and thirst for justice, when you get justice, now you have the power to complete that justice, which is what forgiveness is. I think that's why these are back to back. Yeah. Um, I think, right? So the way you read this is determined by and large by who you are, right? And who you think God to be. So when you, when you read, blessed are the merciful, uh, different people are going to read this different ways, right? Um, because pretty much everybody sees themselves as a victim and not as, as the uh, wrongdoer. I think this is a natural way to look at ourselves. It's not a good way, but I think it's, it's more or less prevalent, right? Even if we do something wrong, we, we jump through all kinds of hoops to justify the wrong thing we did, thereby making it not wrong anymore, right? So depending on how you, you think about justice or, or mercy or both, it's a reflection of who you are and by extension, who you think God to be. I think that's pretty clear, right? Um, so blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This is also a, 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 a karma-related statement, right? This is the, the basis of the idea of karma. If you do good, good will come back to you. If you do bad, bad will come back to you. What comes around goes around. This is karma. And the Bible's version of karma, besides this verse, is, you know, you reap what you sow, right? You reap what you sow. Um, but the idea of mercy is also the idea, um, I think, that, that Viktor Frankl discovered, is that you have an incredible power to choose your response, right? You get to choose how you respond to wrongs being done to you, right? You get to choose. Um, you may be justified by law to seek maximum punishment, but you are equipped by Jesus to forgive even the most egregious sins against you, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, now, the next one is the one that uh, I missed all day long. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I also put the, they, they shall see God as the peacemakers. That's, that's where I messed up today. So I wanted to get this right. Uh, blessed are the pure of heart, the pure in heart, the pure, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, seeing God as the peacemaker on the cross helps us to understand that God has always been at peace with man. Uh, we, not understanding this, have always assumed that God was angry at, at us for not living up to the law. In reality, Christ has always been on the cross, always willing to die and not retaliate. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is perhaps the most significant verse in the Bible, helping us to understand that God no longer counts our sins against us. He never has and he never will. 
the God we meet in the anointed Jesus is the God that has always been. The God is the God is these beatitudes. The God is okay. And this is not very good typing, but I think what I was trying to say is that these beatitudes describe more than anything the character of God, right? Right. God is justified, in a sense, in punishment. You know, if 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 God were to bind himself by law, but God is just as justified. <laughs> it's a little wordy. Uh, to forgive, to be merciful, and that's just his character anyway. God is just merciful. Yeah. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think. If you are pure in heart, or the, the more pure in heart you are, the more pure in, the, the more that you realize that God is pure in heart, that He has no selfishness, no no personal agenda, uh, no axe to grind. Uh, he He is as pure as you hope He is, and more, right? Um, I think the pure in heart see that 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 God is is not a warrior God, right? This kind of harkens back to uh, the book by um, Greg Boyd, right? The Crucifixion of the Warrior God, which is just a great title. Um, yeah, so the God we meet in Jesus uh, is is beautiful, and He's pure. And if we are pure in heart, we will see God as pure. Now, I kind of foreshadowed there and, and threw the, the peacemaker in there because the next one, verse 9, is blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Who is the greatest peacemaker in the history of the world? Well, that's Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is called the Son of God. When we become like Jesus, when we follow Jesus, when we become peacemakers and by peace we we help reconcile people we we bring justice right we bring righteousness we we bring mercy and in doing so we fix relationships we help bind the wounds that we all suffer for that have been keeping us apart and we become peacemakers in the mold of Christ right Christ being the son of God uh, we as peacemakers can become can be called sons of God right Jesus himself said this the peace peacemakers will be called sons of God uh, there's another direction I go with this give me just a second and I'm gonna try to discover that after this after I come to a light here hopefully I have a second to look at this <clears throat> Um, I may have actually gone through all of that and got it all in there already. All right, here, we're going to stop for a quick second. Uh, yeah, so one thing I said here, which is a weird thing to say, maybe, uh, but because we follow Jesus, the way that Jesus brought peace, the way that, the way that Jesus chose to tell us that he was at peace, uh, with all mankind was to die on the cross. And so 
Uh, I said something here that perhaps martyrdom is indeed the best way to bring peace to the world. And I guess what I mean by that is to stand in the gap. There are, there are warring factions all around the world, whether it's two individuals, whether it's an individual and a big organization, whether it's two countries, whatever the case may be. I believe that Christians are called to stand in the gap and to protect the two factions from destroying each other. And in doing so, we may become destroyed. But I believe that when innocent people are harmed, people take notice, right? I believe that, that, that people uh, in general who are embroiled in the systems of the world, who are of the world, um, I believe people don't understand pure motives. They don't understand true altruism, right? They, they don't know it when they see it. And when they see it, they're confused. They don't, they don't generally understand that people are not out, uh, that there are people out there who are not only for themselves, that there are people with true, pure motives. Um, yeah, and so I think I think peacemakers are called to come in between these warring factions, whether it's you know right now between Russia and Ukraine, uh, whether it's between two people you find fighting in the road, uh, you know whatever the case may be, uh, we are called as as sons of God and brothers of Christ and followers of Christ as little Christs as Christians to stand in the gap right to 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 be a bridge not a wall uh, and I know you can say well that's a, a, an idealistic way to think of things but I really am not sure there are any exceptions to this I think it might be absolutely true that for us to follow Christ in the best way possible means for us to be between many of the fights that are happening, to stand in the gap, to try to mend relationships. And it's not, it's not just to, to stand in the gap, right? It's to be there for justice. And justice is mercy. And justice and mercy equals reconciliation. It's not just to to stop people from hurting each other. It's to, it's to bind their wounds, right? To, to fix relationships in the best way possible. And what that means is that Christians are going to be putting themselves in harm's way time and time again. But that's what we are. That's who we are. If we follow Christ, that's that's our identity. And I don't think there's... I can't imagine there's any way around that. Now we get into the two verses, the two last uh, Beatitudes, um, which are, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted... And I'm going to change right, righteousness to justice. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for justice's sake justice sake for theirs is the kingdom of God so we have this same um, blessing 
we've come full circle with verse 3. For theirs is the, is the kingdom of God was used for the poor in spirit. And here again, for theirs is the kingdom of God is used uh, for those who are persecuted for the sake of justice. Okay? Um... I'm not sure if there if that's meant to be bookends uh, around the whole thing because well let me let me get through that um, the echoes of benefit of being poor in spirit are repeated it's the only one that's repeated out of the nine so there are nine beatitudes and the only blessing that's repeated is this one it belonged to the poor in spirit. Now it also belongs to those who are persecuted for justice. Um, persecuted for being or doing good is perhaps more understandable here. Making peace is the right thing to do, and many have been persecuted for it. Now verse 11, I feel like, is a reiteration, a restating uh, of the eighth beatitude. So this is the ninth beatitude, verse 11. And he says, Blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account my means the, on the account of Jesus he says blessed are you when this happens you're blessed this is a blessing now he's going to say why it's a blessing okay he says rejoice and be glad uh, for your re reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right? So basically, the eighth beatitude is blessed are you when you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And then he says, blessed are you who are, uh, how does he say this? When people revile you, revile you, and say all kinds of evil things against you, um, and you're persecuted for my sake, for the sake of Jesus, right? Because we follow Jesus, in other words, we are persecuted. Uh, you can, it says to rejoice, be happy about that, because, um, basically, because you are in the company of the prophets right the great prophets of old the great people who stood up and called the people out on their um, their bad behavior their disobedience of God uh, their their inability or unwillingness to follow uh, the laws of God right uh, they were persecuted and if you are persecuted for the same reason, and you can rejoice. That puts you in very good company. But it says, your, your reward will be great in heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. Okay. Now, I do want to be careful. I think this, this a lot of people will jump on this as, you know, um, a certain kind of eschatology, right? certain kind of, you know, that God is going to destroy the earth and then you're going to heaven and that's the end of it. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. I think we 
we, we have to be careful when we read heaven and, and consider that maybe we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and, and uh, you know, um, there can be other, other ways to look at it, let's just say. Uh, not that I don't believe that uh, some kind of a culminating event is in our future. I pray it is. I, I look forward to that. I, I hope that's the case. But um, in any case... Um, all of these beatitudes are, are, are what we do in this life, in this world, you know, uh, and, and uh, that's more or less what we're talking about here. I just got home, so I'm going to park my car. Uh, looks like I get the good parking space today. Then I want to wrap this up real quick. Sorry about that. Um, so what I wrote here on verse 11 is that persecution is not the reward, but the path to our reward. Jesus seems to be indicating that uh, the persecution will come from uh, religious people, right? Uh, uh, people who are closest to you, uh, people who should know better. Right? Um, yeah, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yeah. So, the Beatitudes, a couple, couple points I want to make on the whole thing is that I still think there's some kind of a hidden uh, thread here that I would like to explore more uh, and become more familiar with. I don't know what it is yet, uh, but there's some interesting correlations and, and um, relationships between uh, some of the Beatitudes that are placed together that are really interesting. Uh, I think in one sense these Beatitudes are describing who Christ is um, because I don't think anybody, uh, any of us can live up to the standard that's, that's set before here. I think it's, it's probably too uh, too much for anybody to live up to except Christ um, I don't think you can always be pure in heart I don't think you will always be merciful uh, I don't think you're always going to be uh, you know have hunger and thirst for, for justice I think sometimes we're going to look the other way um, but but I think as a description of who Christ is and, and uh, who we try to be. I think it's a wonderful list of things. Um, uh, I did talk a little bit about um, let's see pure in heart blessed are the peacemakers blessed are those who are persecuted for justice sake blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account basically lie about you um, 
yeah, none of these things. Oh, one, one thing that I wanted to say is that probably all of these things would have been shocking to the audience who heard it. It would have been the first time that things were were stated in this fashion, in this manner. It w- would have been shocking and very, very controversial. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are the humble. Uh, you know, all of these things would have been opposite, right? Not blessed are the, the merciful, but blessed are the warriors, right? Blessed are the warriors who go out and fight against Rome. Uh, and, and, and these Beatitudes, I believe, are placed specifically to curb some of that uh, violent pride that eventually uh, destroyed Jerusalem. This is what happened, right? So some 30 to 40 years after this, Jerusalem was destroyed because the Jews decided to, to stage a violent revolt against Rome. And Rome came and crushed it. And, and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people perished in the battle, in the war, uh, the, the, the siege of Rome. Uh, and, and there are other places where uh, Jesus is warning them to not be violent, to, to choose another way. Right? Be humble, uh, be merciful, seek justice, right? Um, be happy about being persecuted, um, because in the end, it's gonna it's gonna keep you alive, right? It's gonna keep you alive. Don't don't go the way of the world. Um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people did not heed. Jesus is warning, and this is not the only place he warned them of them, but there are other places that are coming up uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, such as uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, Jesus is trying to get people to to adapt a certain attitude, a certain way of being in the world that 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 would preserve their lives, that would that would save them from from suffering. Right? It wasn't just to get them in heaven. It was it was for them to be, to 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 be saved from themselves, right? Um, in that context, the Beatitudes are are a beautiful, beautifully worded poetic warning uh, that that if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Which now that I think about it, is another way that Jesus said the same thing. Uh, he came to 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 make us a certain way in the world that would preserve life, and and Jesus said, "I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly." There's a way that you can be in the world uh, to where you know we can live and let live. We don't have to be uh, at each other's throats in order to thrive uh, and and live well in the world. Um, I wish we could all heed that, but unfortunately there are too many people that are out for their own gain. They're doing every, every, everything they can to accumulate wealth uh, and power and fame. Uh, and it's not, the, it's not the right way to be in the world. Violence is not the right way to be in the world. All of these things here are the opposite of violent closest you get to violent is to put yourself uh, in the way, right? To, to step in the gap to protect people from each other. Um, 
and not with violence, but by absorbing the impact, right? Christians are called, I hate to say this, I'm looking at a car right in front of me. Christians are somewhat called to be bumpers, right? We're called to, to help absorb the impact. And in placing ourselves in the gap, hopefully change hearts, to soften hearts from stone uh, and, and, and to change lives in doing so. It's hard to stand in the gap. It's hard, but I think that's what the Beatitudes are about. Thanks. Bye-bye.